You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Next up on Destination Freedom. After a while, the door swung open and out came Mama. Not hurried, but definitely not at her normal pace. Papa was right behind her. He had already paid her bail and demanded her release. And them good old boys would have loved to string my papa up but couldn't find the courage with a man in a uniform as fine as his. Papa was one of the Tuskegee Airmen. And those men are not to be meddled with. Everyone knew about the Red Tails. Only them and Jesse Owens threatened the Fuhrer's notion of superiority. Our best and brightest pilots and mechanics. They may as well have been knights in shining armor. And if you were blessed in life to be in the presence of one of these trailblazers, you better show some respect. Papa was special though. He already had his private pilot's license before he got to Tuskegee. But he had to pretend like he didn't know how to fly so that the white commanding officers wouldn't wash him out. They couldn't stand the notion of a Negro knowing more than they did. So he tested well enough to pass, but not good enough to draw too much attention to himself. White folks sure do take up a lot of space and then demand that everyone else curl up and brace when they decide the little space you have is too much. Welcome to Destination Freedom Black Radio Days podcast, a copyrighted program of No Credits Production, LLC. I'm producer-director, Donnielle Betts. On this episode, Give Me Liberty, A Free Man's Story, a play of historical fiction written by John and Sidney Furtrell. The piece was inspired by real events, as described in genealogical documents preserved by John's mother. As the story goes, John's great-great-great-great-grandfather was Patrick Henry, The Patrick Henry, whose famous quote, Give me liberty or give me death, inspired some before the American Revolutionary War. The story is decorated with prose, creativity, humor, and lived experience by the husband and wife writing team. Now, Give Me Liberty, a free man's story. Part two. Oh, freedom. Oh, oh, freedom. Oh, freedom over me And before I'll be a slave I'll be buried in my grave And go home to my Lord And be free 
On the first installment of Give Me Liberty, a free man's story, a young man finds a box of his grandparents' letters and reads the story of Patrick Henry III as written by a relative of his who was fighting in the Vietnam War. The young man finds out through the letters that he is a descendant of an enslaved woman named Hope and a slaver who happened to be the Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death Patrick Henry. He also learns that his great-great-grandfather, Patrick Henry III, threw a different slaver from a balcony and negotiated his way to freedom. The story continues with the young man reading more of the story through letters. Dear Patrick, I received your letter and boy was I ever excited to hear that story. I can't stop telling it. I'm positively tickled. Life is funny, Patrick. There's so much pain and so much levity. It's hard to tell which is more powerful. Even in the loving webs we spin, in family there is still pain and levity. Levity floats and pain sinks. I fell in love with my husband because he can make me float like nobody else. He can also make me sink like nobody else, but we're working on that. I suppose you're doing some are both right now, aren't you, Patrick? You were always such a sweet boy, a funny boy. You were always making us laugh. When your number came up to go off to war, I sank. I was afraid for the brightness in your heart and what might happen to it. We have been through so much. Your story about Papa, although important and quiet as it's kept, entertaining as hell was proof and a reminder of how our country has diminished our blood, our sweat, and our tears. And now, they have you out here killing for them. How can that be so? You don't let this world drag you down so far you can't get back up again. Don't let anything or anyone do that to you, Patrick, not even yourself. I'm praying for you. I love you. You better write me back with the rest of the story. Until next time, on Edna. She couldn't wait to give the letter to the postman. She made sure that he knew that it was addressed to the USO in Vietnam. She walked home with a smile on her face, back straight, and let the breeze lift her weight like a leaf in fall. At that moment, she lost herself, and memory replaced the emptiness. She remembered a story her mother used to tell, the one about being a fugitive from injustice. Yes. That's the one. I must have been seven, but I can't remember what I had for lunch, so I could have been five or six. Papa was overseas again, been called up to help efforts to something or another. Mama wasn't going to stay in the house on her own with two small children, especially not with my younger brother. He was all energy with a particular brand of disobedience. Mama said that we would stay with her sister until Papa came home, and that meant Arkansas. There is no need for God to create a place more unpleasant. I swear, the state bird is the mosquito. Arkansas has the personality of a beer-stained Confederate flag, and if I never set foot there again, I run a better chance to die with dignity. Nothing says I hate you, nigga, like the great state of Arkansas. Seems like everything is trying to kill you. The unforgivable heat is the worst. It's almost like our blackness offends it. So it's petty and cruel. 
No one has spent more time in direct Arkansas sun than black folks. And we couldn't be more resentful, the mean old thing. Hard to believe that mama was born here. She's such a delicate woman. Arkansas is no place for the delicate. It was summer. And that meant it was surprise, hot. I remember sweating when I woke up that day. Something about the air made your clothes stick to your skin like molasses, made your shirt feel like you had just run into a great big spider web. You ever lived in that kind of heat? The kind that makes you angry all the time? There can't be that many places on earth where you can actually feel the air. It makes you want to hunch over, brings out the red in your skin. Sometimes you can see the air burning like gasoline in the light. My mother, in her sensibility, decided to wear a yellow sundress with long white gloves and a parasol to the train station. That dress was Papa's favorite. He was coming home. He bought it for Mama when we were in Paris. He was stationed there for six months, and we followed. I even learned a few words in French. Cette notre air a un goût de merde. This food tastes like... Papa was home, and we were going to meet him in Philadelphia. I couldn't be more excited. The city of brotherly love had ice cream parlors on what seemed like every corner, and colored folks with money. It was a paradise compared to where we were. Mama had dressed my brother and me in our finest clothes for the long trade ride north. I wore a blue bonnet with a red ribbon and a blue dress. My brother wore pleated shorts and a dress shirt with suspenders and long socks. If you squint hard enough, we might have looked like white folks, but we didn't. We were black and beautiful and an immediate threat to everyone else on the train platform. Can you imagine the look on their faces? It was 1952 or three, and you don't have to be too creative to picture the kind of hatred we incited. Y'all better get, one woman yelled from across the train station. A man intentionally knocked me to the ground. Mama picked me up and gave me a look to keep my mouth shut. She could tell a story with a look, and did so without even lowering her chin. She always looked folks in the eye. Mama had a special kind of way with people. Even if they were mad at her, she still somehow figured her way out. Someone spat at us. I have never been that scared in my life. And up until that point, I'd never been so in touch with my own mortality. I don't remember seeing the sheriff walk up to us at all. All of a sudden, he was there, like death, like an apparition. And he smelled like liquor, cigarettes, and panic. His eyes were small, and he had sweat on his upper lip. He looked like the runt of his mama's litter. This would be the only thing a man like him could do to make someone else feel small. So he enjoyed it. What the hell you doing up here, girl? My mother said nothing. You hear me? My mother pulled us in close. He grabbed her by the arm, and I could feel her body tense. I lost grip of her hand. Mama! It's all right, sweetie pie. Take your brother's hand and don't let go. Mama? Quiet, brother. 
They fixin' to hurt us. Shut up. You uppity niggas always causing trouble. A crowd had now gathered on the platform, angry grumblings and words I'm not supposed to know. I remember feeling closed in, standing belt buckle height to men who wanted to hurt us. The colored folks standing below the platform saw what was happening. Most of them were familiar faces, but they looked different, like statues. Too afraid to draw attention to themselves. Hell, pigeons could have landed on their shoulders and we wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Until a man I think my mother knew ran off with a purpose. I closed my eyes and prayed that he was going for help. My mother had never been so rudely handled when they dragged her and her children through the angry mob. I remember thinking to myself, what is it about my mama that can make them so angry? Was it her pride? Her unshakable posture? Her beauty? Yes, mama was beautiful by most standards. Edna had found herself sitting on a park bench. Her memories had drifted her through crosswalks, and there she sat, hands clasped together with a gentle look, back straight, and still drifting in and out of space and time. Memories can be dangerous things if you treat them like the now. You can get lost, like a grain of sand in an ocean if a memory takes hold of you. The thought of abandoned presence, the gift of living during a time you are familiar with, good or bad, memories can be dangerous things if you let them take shape. Smell and touch are phantoms. Have you ever remembered a smell? It's a glorious feeling. Imagine being able to remember a hug on a whim, the freedom to be whisked away by thought. Memories can be dangerous things indeed. So she caught herself mid-thought and came to be on this bench. A stranger passed by and she nodded her head in recognition of his being. She had a greater appreciation for her existence, a renewed vow to claim her space. She thought about the possibility of her nephew never getting her letter. A panic set in. There was disappointment in its intrusion. She had opened up so much showed a side of herself she deemed special to help her poor nephew through that God-forsaken war. She thought back on how our Patrick Henry threw a filthy slaver right off a balcony. I ain't gonna take no whipping. Boy, I might just cut out your tongue, too. You'd sooner find yourself on the porch down below. Nigger, I... Patrick was having none of that. He seized his master and threw him over the railing to the ground, breaking some bones in the process. And there he lay, the master, broken and writhing in pain. It all happened so quickly that everyone stood in shock. The good doctor's wife, the slaves, the field hands, the stable boys, all stood in silence as the good doctor screamed in agony. And all at once, the entire plantation let out a collective cry. My mother knew that blood ran through her veins, too, so she acted like it, and it protected her more times than she cared to remember.
Edna and her brother find themselves in the back of a police car. Shut the hell up back there. We ain't said nothing. She could see his eyes through the rearview mirror. He looked more annoyed than anything that he had to transport them to the station. They charged my mama with disturbing the peace. How shameful. The only ones disturbing any peace was them, terrorizing women and children, or any old black face for that reason. Can you imagine a person's mere existence angering you to the point of murder, or worse? How do you live with that, knowing that you are fair game to the fancy of violence? Base impulses. They indulge at your expense. Black bodies swinging from the poplar trees. I hate Arkansas. Smells like cud. My brother and I were silent as church mice in the back of that police car. Black children disappeared all the time in Arkansas back then. Both of us held hands and prayed our mother would be at the station when we got there. The road was bumpy. The cushions were uncomfortable and the back seat was intentionally small. It was stuffy and I remember swallowing my own breath to keep from choking. When we pulled up to the station, I saw the sheriff's car. Mama's inside. How'd you know? That's the sheriff's car right there. She'll be in there. I want Mama. Careful now. Don't say anything else and don't let go of my hand. Get out! The door opened sharply and I was pulled by my arm. I kept hold of my brother's hand like I imagined the moon must hold the tide. We were dragged inside and sat on a long wood bench. We were cuffed to that bench by the wrist and foot. Funny this relationship with chains we have. Handcuffs are just slaver chains that fit in your pocket. Even though this had never happened to us before, it felt familiar, like a birthright to pain and humiliation. There went our mama. She walked right past us without looking in our direction. We know she saw us, but she couldn't look back without putting us in further jeopardy. They put our mama in a cell with men, and not the kind of men you want to be around ever. It was part of her punishment to humiliate her, or worse. Those men in that cell could have hurt our mama, but they didn't. For some reason, they let her be. It was a gray brick cell with brown, rusted bars. When it swung open, it sounded like a seagull in pain. There was a little light and what seemed to be a bucket for doing your business, and it smelled like it. The flies didn't help. Lifting your arm meant moving in the heat, and that took too much energy, so best to let them land where they want to and not bring too much attention to yourself. The heat oppressed and strained her. It wanted to take her away. The unrelenting exhaustion and worry she felt almost made her lose consciousness. On the outside, she steeled herself, though, sitting straight up, eyes gazing forward, breathing slowly, steadily. We must have sat there for three hours before our family friend and neighbor, Mrs. Johnson, came to get us. She was a vision, an angel to me in that moment. Your father is on his way. How far is he? Not far off. I knew he'd be here soon. And boy, was he ever in full Air Force blues with his cap under his arm, disciplined, focused, 
and full of fury. My papa wasn't from this world. He must have been molded from the first clay, biceps stretching his jacket to the point it must have been uncomfortable. He wasn't a tall man, but what he lacked in height, he made up for in sheer confidence. He was a color of bronze, stocky, with square shoulder blades and a sadness in his eyes. His grandfather was a slave. Started west for Colorado after fighting in the war. Found his way during the silver rush. That was one thing that colored folk could do to claim their own space, prospecting in the Rocky Mountains. A color man named Barney Ford had businesses there and he could find work. The Black Baron owned mines and restaurants. Our kind came from all over after the war set them free. Some went north, others went west. Some came from as far as Mexico, some further south. And those who made their home near the mountains found some quiet for a time. And our papa paved his own way. He did well in school, played sports, sang in a quartet with other colored boys, and saved every penny he earned to have enough for college tuition. Yes, he was a college-educated Negro. Education was the only road to freedom. At least that's what his papa told him. He didn't want his son to live his life as a Pullman porter. He wanted more for him. The sky was the limit. And so our papa grew wings. There wasn't a moment to waste. Every second offered an opportunity to soar. We were told to wait outside. And that's all we needed to hear. When that door closed behind him, there was a cold silence that stretched across the sky. You could feel the shiver like the snap of a noose. Our uncle had accompanied Papa, also in Air Force Neats. The edges on his shirt and slacks were trophies in geometry. Perfectly linear, unnatural in its perfection. For all things have at least one flaw, but not how my uncle's shirts were pressed. You could slice bread with his lapel. My uncle said, No need to fret now. Your papa will take care of it. And I said, Yes, sir. That was all that needed to be said. The phrase, yes, sir, is a contract between the adult and child. It's a promise of faith that their word can be taken at face value without conflict. It was an absolute. It was the single most important way to vocalize respect. It was understanding. And more certainly, it was comforting. This nightmare couldn't have lasted longer until after a while the door swung open and out came Mama. Not hurried, but definitely not at her normal pace. Papa was right behind her. He had already paid her bail and demanded her release. And them good old boys would have loved to string my papa up, but couldn't find the courage with a man in a uniform as fine as his. Papa was one of the Tuskegee Airmen, and those men are not to be meddled with. Everyone knew about the Red Tails. Only them and Jesse Owens threatened the Fuhrer's notion of superiority. Our best and brightest, pilots and mechanics, they may as well have been knights in shining armor. And if you were blessed in life to be in the presence of one of these trailblazers, you better show some respect. 
Papa was special, though. He already had his private pilot's license before he got to Tuskegee. But he had to pretend like he didn't know how to fly so that the white commanding officers wouldn't wash him out. They couldn't stand the notion of a Negro knowing more than they did. So he tested well enough to pass, but not good enough to draw too much attention to himself. White folks sure do take up a lot of space and then demand that everyone else curl up and brace when they decide the little space you have is too much. So Mama left that awful place with a warrant to be issued if she didn't return in 14 days. After our things were packed, we headed the car west towards home with no notion of ever returning to that armpit of a town. A town unwelcoming and dangerous where everything is trying to kill you. Home was safe enough, not free from the threat of death by mob, but free from the daily harassment and provocation. My father didn't say anything to Mama on the ride home. Almost 18 hours and not one word. No look of disappointment or betrayal. We all knew what thoughts were occupying his brain. Why would she do such a thing intentionally while the children were in tow? There better be a good answer. We could tell on his face that he was upset, but wouldn't show it with us in the back seat. Without being prompted, Mama said out loud, Imagine what would have happened if I wore the hat, too. <laughs> Brother and I shared a chuckle. Papa was unmoved. After 14 days and being as far from that place as we could be, Papa heard that the judge found our mother in contempt of court, whatever that means and issued a warrant for her arrest. I just know that contempt is the thing white folks have for us. But we'd have soon flew to the middle of the sun before returning back to Arkansas for a hearing. I'm sure they would have denied Mama Bail if they for once thought that anyone would be able to come up with that kind of money. Papa's nature to save every penny came in handy on more than just that occasion. But it seemed like his whole life of being cheap was meant for just this moment. Mama would start to call herself a fugitive from injustice, she'd say. My only crime that day wasn't wearing the matching hat. For the rest of her years living, she'd never return to the place of her birth. Patrick finishes Aunt Edna's letter, folds it, and puts it in his breast pocket. It's the seventh time he's read it since it arrived. He knows that he has a place in this world, and this place isn't in this jungle, a world away from his home. He knows that he is meant for so much more than this, awaiting fate, death at the hands of an enemy he has no true quarrel with. The freed slaves and Tuskegee airmen of his blood would be ashamed, not of him, but in the country they worked so hard to prove themselves to, that it would send their progeny to fight so far away and for a reason that still confuses us. So Patrick pulled his poncho over his head and with what little light he had from the moon, muzzle flashes and flares, he began to drift into memories. He let them wash over him like a slow tide reclaiming its space. He searched his pockets for his pencil or what was left of it, 
His hands, although worn, scarred, and weathered, were surprisingly steady. He took a deep breath and began to write back to his Aunt Edna. Dear Aunt Edna, your letter couldn't have come at a better time. These are the hardest days I've known here, but thinking about Papa's stories has renewed my spirit to make it out of this. As I promised, I will share the rest of the story with you. You may be surprised to learn that not long after Papa took his first breath as a free man, he went off to fight in the Civil War. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Thank you for listening to part two of Give Me Liberty, a free man story. You have just heard Destination Freedom Black Radio Days production of Give Me Liberty, a free man story by John and Sidney Frutro. The cast for Give Me Liberty was Don Randall, narrator, Gondia Johnson, Edna, John Frutrell as Patrick, Kurt Soderstrom as Sheriff, Soldiers, and others, Danielle Betts as Papa and additional voices, Larie Edwards, theme singer, violinist, and additional vocals. The show was engineered, remixed, and co-produced by Maurice Smith. This series is based on Richard Durham's Destination Freedom. No Credits Productions, LLC, and Donnie L. Betts produces in the spirit of the original series, sharing the stories of Black, BIPOC, and Indigenous people. Subscribe to our podcast at Broadway Podcast Network, iTunes, Apple, Stitcher, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to download, subscribe, and leave a comment. Follow us on Twitter at Donnie Betts, on Instagram, and on Facebook, hashtag No Credits Productions LLC.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.